You are listening to the Yizzy Research Podcast, hosted and created by me, Imani, a researcher. This is the podcast for people who research people. In this episode, I speak with Stephanie. Currently, I'm Research Operations Lead at Springer Nature, um, which is a science publisher. have been for four years, since November 2019. Previously, I had various kinds of user experience or user research jobs. Um, immediately before I became an ops person, I was the head of the user research and performance analysis community at Government Digital Service in the UK. So it's like the uh, government department that deals with online services and making them more user-centered. In today's episode, Stephanie talks to us about how to evaluate impact when doing UX research. Evaluating the impact of user research, which is very elusive to many Mm -hmm. researchers. (laughs) How do we think about impact? What is impact? How do you define impact in UX research? So for me, there's two ways to define impact of user research and sort of thinking about the impacts on the users and the impacts on the organisation. Both are elusive (laughs) in my current role. Um, So when I'm, what I mean by internal impact is for us to be able to track. was the research used? How was it used? Was it used once or was it used uh, sort of, did people revisit revisit it over time? What kind of usage did it get and what scale was that? Like, was it just one team? Was it a program? Was it the whole organisation that was affected by it? And then the external impact in terms of, did it actually make an improvement for the user, you know? I mean, obviously there's like a increased conversion and things like that, but did we actually make a noticeable difference um, to the user? Did we make it easier to do something or more effective? And those kinds of measurements. So, yeah, that's how I'm currently thinking about impacts. But that has changed and I think it will keep um, maturing as we try and sort of think about it more, try to make it less elusive. And that's a well-rounded way of thinking about impact in UX research, thinking about how the UX research affects the business, but also thinking about how it affects the end user as well, thinking of it from those different perspectives. Mm. How do you explain the impact of a small sample study like a usability test instead of a large sample study like a survey? How do you explain those differences in impact to, let's say, an internal stakeholder? I think they can they can both have different scales of impact. I think it's explaining that I think it's also sort of getting the explanation right is also understanding the maturity level of research and the literacy level of how much people understand it. So in terms of like a usability study, I think that is one of the easiest things to have impact because especially if like your um yeah, you're trying to understand, does this interaction work? Does this flow work? You can, you know, with a good usability study, you can get those answers and almost immediately implement some changes that you've seen. So, I mean, how I try to um, explain it in terms of behaviour within 
a consistent group of people. So people who have similar levels of experience, similar motivations, behavior will be quite consistent. And you can see that, you know, from five plus users, you will start to get a lot of repetition. And, um, but also knowing that stakeholders like numbers, we try and cross-reference those kinds of things with customer service data. So we can see in our, um, so obviously we have a log of customer service queries and like how many times they've had that query and that kind of thing. So we can say like, we have seen in customer service data that over the last three months, X number of thousand people have had this problem as well. So we know that it's a problem at scale. So that's how we try and increase the impact, if we can, of a smaller sample. I think um, with surveys, I guess oh, so many different kinds of surveys, such <laughs> a hard uh, thing to talk about. But yeah, I guess it's... Um, Obviously, it's important to have numbers because it tends to be sort of self-reporting, attitudes, opinions, which varies a lot more. So it's important to have the bigger number to um, make it more robust. But I think the impact is probably in the communication of the insights that come from the survey and how they're talked about. And particularly, like we see it with exploratory um research as well it's not necessarily as obvious what do we do now sort of what action can we take so I think it's depending on what the survey's about it's all in how we frame the narrative and make it relevant to whoever we're communicating to and regardless of if you're doing small sample or large sample research, impactful research consistently has the same elements. And you had shared these elements in a Medium article you wrote um, in 2022. And you mentioned that impactful research has the following elements, clearly defined purpose and well-defined research questions, if appropriate, useful measurements of experience, agreement from the whole team that it is a priority a basis in something, whether it's assumptions, business drivers, or past research, can be tactical or strategic, and it uses the appropriate research method for the question being asked. So I want us to talk through each of those one by one. So let's start with mm -hmm. having a clearly defined purpose and well-defined re research questions. What are some strong purposes for doing research? I mean, this is highly related to it being based on something. So you, you have a business driver to learn and understand something it could be like if you're at the beginning of the project like who is kind of overlapping with market research but like who are the users what are their characteristics what are their goals and their pain points and their motivations and things like that what is the day in a life like for them so there's that kind of purpose or it could be like a very clear one could be you've taken it from you've seen from your analytics that there's always a drop off at a certain point so we've got the what and the research is going to help us understand the why with some users you know observing them in the flow and see what problems that they are um, experiencing I think sort of in the opposite of that an unclear purpose is like well we just want to see how they feel and it's like what are you going to do with that don't you say do they like it it's like do we care if they like it is it you know what are we trying what are they trying to achieve what do we want them to achieve I think it's it should be very much based around 
are the business needs or user needs and hopefully those two things should be aligned so i mean that's definitely sort of how we're um approaching it these days is trying to think about always aligning a user goal and a business goal to have the clearest purpose for a piece of research and conversely there are some not great reasons for doing research (laughs) so what are some weak purposes for doing research the uh, reason for doing research that pains me the most is uh, when people sort of weaponize research it's like i want to validate my opinion to show another stakeholder that i'm right and they're wrong and obviously it is important to make sure that we are doing the right thing in the right way um at the right time for users but yes just constant like opinion validation is not a great reason to do research when it's weaponized in that way and i think yeah i think also sort of like just that checkbox approach to research in terms of oh we've done research i've checked that box so we're fine sort of regardless of what it was about or you often see i've i've seen many product people over the years and not just product people like stakeholders saying let's just have a chat with the users like but what what do we want to find out and we need to know <laughs> sort of what that chat um i'm using air quotes i shouldn't use air quotes <laughs> audio audio um medium but yeah it's like the participants time is valuable our time is valuable we need to know what we need to learn rather than just like a general feeling of things yeah and you were talking about the difference between just having a chat versus actually doing research research implies that there's a process um a scientific method we're trying to follow or closely follow and we're trying to answer very specific questions and a part of actually distinguishing between a chat and research is asking good research questions. What are the components of well-defined research questions? I think, yeah, apart from being very clear what the scope is, what do you want to learn? Is it about a specific part of your product or a specific experience in your service with a specific group? So you're very much targeting, avoiding feature creep, I guess, is the main thing in terms of having robust research questions and also obviously um not having leading or biased questions and often like if it's just i want to validate my opinion then that leads you sort of into the territory of asking biased questions um and i think again i think it comes back to like the user and the business perspective um so yeah, I'm just thinking of a past example. I heard uh, a stakeholder say, "How do I get the user to use the dashboard?" And I was thinking, "Do we even need a dashboard? Do they need a dashboard?" The users. It's like trying to think about it from sort of a needs point of view rather than I want to build a feature. How do I get them to use it? I think it's yeah, sort of moving away from a feature-led approach, which I've seen many times in the past, and thinking about what are the needs, what are the gaps, what are we trying to achieve, like an outcome approach rather than an output approach, I guess. 
it also takes a lot of practice to learn how to write good research questions. I know when I first started doing research, so I started doing research in college, but professionally I started doing it after college. And it takes time to actually craft good questions because a question may sound good, a research question. And then when you build a discussion guide or um, a focus group discussion guide or usability test around that research question, you start to realize, okay, maybe it wasn't a good question, <laughs> right? Like, 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 this is not making that much sense mm-hmm. actually doing this in the field. So it definitely takes refinement and practice. And even once you've been doing it for a while, it still takes more refinement and more practice to make sure that it's a yeah. good question. Hence why if anyone's ever take, if anyone's ever been a participant in a research study, there may be different, um, different um, screeners and different versions of it because you're constantly trying to refine it. Yeah, exactly. We're always learning, which is a good thing. But yeah, that also makes me think of a really good point that research questions and interview questions are different. And I think when you're starting out in research, you don't always make that distinction. Like you might not. And I think that's part of sort of avoiding the leading questions and the bias. Like if we want to know what a user you know, if we're doing that kind of like, how does the user feel about it? We would ask questions around that rather than just like, do you like this thing? Because obviously they're going to say, yes, I like this thing. And that's not really going to tell us anything because we've primed them to say they like it and they haven't given us any additional information. So I think, yeah, making that distinction between your research question and your interview questions is an important thing to learn. The best products are built by listening to your customers. But without a great tool, capturing quality insights is nearly impossible. DScout was built to solve this challenge. Whether you're running moderated or unmoderated research, the DScout platform helps you recruit high-quality participants, manage unlimited concurrent studies, and share insights and video clips in minutes. Stop overpaying for questionable research Instead, partner with DScout, a company trusted by Spotify, Lululemon, Google, and more. Visit dscout.com for all the tools you need to boost your insights program. And that was, so we talked about how to define, um, how to clearly define the purpose um, of research and how to craft a well-defined research question. And the next thing I want to talk about is useful measurements of experience if they apply. Some common UX metrics include task success rate, NPS, completion rate. However, not every organization has this matrix of metrics established. If a researcher is at an organization that doesn't have these metrics, how should they go about defining the UX metrics? I'm not an expert on this, but um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of good uh, in terms of defining the metrics if you don't have them. There's a lot of good resources out there to see, like, what is the breadth of the types of things you could be measuring. And then I think it's sort of a question of, I guess, like if you're doing a literature review, going and starting to evaluate is like, how would this help my organisation? Sort of what what is it that's important to the organisation? What are we doing? So, um And there's also some measures that just aren't appropriate. So for myself, working at a science publisher, things like conversion rate or time on page, especially like time on page, for example, um, a number on its own is not really going to tell us anything because it could be 
if they have spent a long time on a scientific article, it could be that it's really useful, they're absorbing it and, you know, they're using it in their work. Or it could be an entirely different thing, like they can't find the information they was expected to find or they don't understand it. There could be so many different reasons why they've spent that amount of time on a page. So measuring something like that is just not going to tell us anything. So we have to find other ways to measure useful things. And I think it's, yeah, defining what is important, what is the priorities of the company, and then finding ways to measure that rather than, it's not a more is more case, I think, with measurements. And I think, yeah, particularly if you don't have, like, if you're not in e-commerce, for example, and there aren't as many obvious automated ways to measure um i think it's important to like do small scale benchmarking to what am i trying to say to show the effectiveness of what actually putting some effort into measuring but you have to kind of do it it's more manual it's still quite it's like quantitative research but we're not passively collecting the numbers and we have at spring of nature have found that very useful to do to, define a set of core tasks and then um, measure task success or p- and perceive task success because that's very interesting when you're like they think they have successfully completed a task but actually they didn't um, in terms of how we would define it as successful and time on task and those kind of things and the system usability scale we use as well but that takes a lot more effort to do that because we have to set up a whole quantitative study rather than like being able to measure something on Google Analytics. But it's definitely, and if you're doing that once a year, once a quarter, you build up a massive resource over time of showing, hopefully, how you're incrementally improving things because task success has increased on this specific thing that we know is important to the company. You've identified that as a core task and that kind of thing. And like going the other way, when I was talking earlier about sort of having starting with the qualitative and adding the quantitative, when we're doing things like benchmarking, we will then go and do some qualitative uh, versions of that, like a usability test, so we can see why certain things are happening, why certain trends are happening. So I think, yeah, part of having impactful research is combining like mixed methodology combining different data sets to show the patterns of what's happening and the scale of what is happening at and defining ux metrics isn't easy either especially if you are new to a company or maybe you have been at a company for a while and the company has a large suite of products and you're working on a new product as a researcher it's not always obvious because there are so many metrics <laughs> um and it's not always clear what which metrics you should be looking at, which ones you should be measuring, which ones uh, don't matter for the research. Yeah, and like you said, it gets into the quant versus qual element as well. And it's also just a very a very complex uh, part of UX research yes. as well. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Um, Jared Spall has got a lot of good um, advice and content on choosing the right metrics. So for also internally, sort of measuring how the team is doing in terms of is it delivering its outcomes and stuff like that so i would recommend anybody go and find his work on that because it's very useful 
And in addition to considering UX metrics, if applicable, you also believe that impactful research has consensus from the whole team that it is a priority. What constitutes or who constitutes the whole team? In terms of whole team, I mean, more often than not, it will be a product team. So you've got agreement, I guess, ultimately from the product manager that will do this research, will actually use the insights, the findings that come out of it. Um, I've seen it in many, many jobs. It's not uncommon that um, by the time the research is delivered, it's like, oh, our priorities have changed, so we're not going to use it. Now, so I think getting that upfront commitment that we are going to make the time and resource available to use it is important. But it's not always a product team. It could be very much depends um, what you're working on. It could be other kind of, like other kinds of stakeholder. Um, it, I guess it really comes down to, I mean, it doesn't sort of matter what their title is. It's like, who is the research? Who are you doing the research for? Who is it going to benefit? Um, and making sure you have their agreement. So, like the main, the priority, the primary user of that research. I mean, often with good research, there are other stakeholders, other teams that can make use of it as well. But getting the um, agreement from the primary user, I think, is the key. That makes sense. And is this agreement codified or is it a verbal agreement? <laughs> um, ideally, it would be documented somewhere. Um, it's not always the case, but in terms of actually having an agreement, getting research on a product roadmap, for example, is um, a really good way to get commitment. It's like, actually, yes, we've taken it seriously. We have. Um, made room in the cadence of our work as a product team to include research um, and that is something that uh, we're currently working on with teams is like how do we document the decisions made from the research but it would also be good and like, i thinking about it now to be able to document the decision like the commitment to do the research and we tend to do that in our um strategic planning documents so we record it ourselves as researchers but it's good to be recorded on the other side by like as i say in the product roadmap for example and i've worked with some big teams at some big companies and there are a lot of people who who have a, a vested interest in the research that i'm doing and i'm sure a lot of researchers at big companies can relate to that so does this ideally codified agreement have to be among the entire team like every single person or just most of the team <laughs> <laughs> oh yes we're getting into it now I, mean, I guess if you yeah if we were trying to get uh codify everybody then that just i think we end up being sort of paralyzed but i think who is the main responsible person that um, is probably the most important in terms of actually sort of like documenting that agreement. But when um, we're in the planning stage within a team, I think, yeah, you have to get everybody on board because ideally you want people to observe the sessions and maybe help out with note taking and stuff like that. So I think that's a more, I guess, social, uh, you know, agreement that we're going to all take this seriously but I guess for the actual 
codifying of a decision and i would say yeah well whoever is the most responsible person in terms of they have the ownership of the outcome like whether they make a decision or not on the research whatever happens yeah they own it and even that may change again especially if you're at a big company i've been when i was so i work as a contractor um, i was working at a contractor at a a pretty well-known tech company and um, I started off with a certain team. I had a few product managers, product marketing managers, a few other UX people. And then like uh, some of them quit, some of them moved to a different team. And there was like a, to- there was just like a hole where they were supposed to be. <laughs> so, okay, well, who do I, who's, who is the core group now? Who do I get the consensus from now? And that's not always clear either. Again, like the yeah. theme of this conversation is that these things are not always easy to figure out. If the team dynamic changes, people quit change teams um it can be hard you have to recalibrate and it could be hard to do that especially if you're about to start the research that's a very interesting situation that yeah if your whole bunch of your stakeholders move on in some way i think it can be quite scary to pause research if you've been planning it for a while but it does uh, the situation you just shared just made me think like oh maybe you could pause and like do some stakeholder mapping of like identify okay well who are the stakeholders now that everyone has changed but um and I guess it does sort of raise the question of do we still need the research it's like do the new stakeholders have the same priorities or do we have to pivot to something else yeah we have to start asking some big questions when that kind of thing happens I think yeah, thankfully that particular one was just a contract, so I wasn't there long. <laughs> thankfully that doesn't happen. That didn't happen to me often. So also lastly, as we wrap up, um, also one of your um, beliefs earlier about impactful research was that it's based on something, whether assumptions, business drivers, past research. What are some suggestions for researchers to realistically increase the impact of research and UX maturity? Yeah, so I think increasing the impact I think it's understanding the culture that you're in. Is it a user-centered culture or do you have to sort of that's so you've already sort of if it's a user-centered culture, you've naturally got some buy-in, you might not have to work so hard to um get those agreements to do the research. If it's um more feature-centered or product-centered. I think um, part of making the research more impactful is like really thinking about the language that we're using when we're crafting our narrative about what happened in the research and what we found from it. Like making sure that, you know, obviously always telling the truth, but sort of how we frame that narrative, depending on the stakeholder we're talking to, making sure that they really understand why this is important why they should be paying attention to this what business go what of their okrs is this going to affect what is the risk if we don't do anything about this insight that we have found you know how's that going to impact on their objectives for the quarter or something like that i think it's yes finding um avoiding as much as possible the user research and user experience jargon and finding what the um the stakeholders care about and framing it in in that way i would say is an important thing and 
Yeah, and I think we've covered some of the things already in terms of um, aligning the user goals and the business goals and it always having a very clear business goal in mind. So, and that helps you show that this, you know, this is important because we've aligned it to this business goal, which is related to this user goal <laughs> in the utopia that we hopefully will live in one day. Um, I think they're the main things, yeah. Yeah, I also like what you said about being careful about not using too much UX jargon when trying to connect with stakeholders. I'm very guilty of that, um, especially when you're working on teams that um, are new to UX research. They don't always know all the jargon. Even if you're working on teams that are really um, comfortable with UX research, we may use different terms to refer to the same thing. A lot of acronyms. Yes, I feel like you're speaking a different language sometimes. Yeah, I do think it's important to make sure we're we're speaking the same language. (laughs) Yeah, and I think so so, um, where I am currently, we will have a a monthly UX research share back. And so someone will... um, share some clips and some insights from their most recent research and you get all the researchers and a lot of UX designers going along out of interest it's like oh I wonder what they found out about the users or about this specific thing but um, people in other jobs um, they don't necessarily have that same curiosity about who the users are and what it's like for them so and you know we're all extremely busy so I think it's about yeah really getting cutting to what's important to them so that you can get some of their time and attention because they're not necessarily going to have the the mental bandwidth just like i'm just gonna see what happens you know see what the research says out of interest you've got to kind of yeah really grab them and say no you need to pay attention because of this is going to impact your team this is going to impact you one of the things that I am currently working on is sort of the different scales and types of impact. So, for example, we're trying to track like things like, was a bug fixed? That's one type of impact. Did it change a policy? Did it change a strategy? Did it stop work from happening? We're trying to sort of categorize things in those ways, but also think about, um, or maybe it was misused, which is also important to record. And like, um, like they, or they discarded, you know, they saw the insight and they decided to ignore it. We're trying to record things like that so we can see the patterns in what kind of research gets used and what doesn't so that we know how um, maybe there's training that needs to be used or maybe we need to adjust something that we're doing. But also think about the scale. So like, was it on one product or one team or did it affect a whole program of work or the whole organisation? And yeah, think about that. And the thing that I am really interested in, but I think is really hard to do is sort of thinking about that long-term impact when it's that more foundational research. And so at the moment, we're just building an insight library, so a long-term project um, in Dovetail. And we will eventually be able to see, oh, we can see that people keep going back to this insight. We can see that it's been reused multiple times over several years or something like that. So yeah, I'm really interested long-term in seeing 
how what research gets reused and what like one done sort of obviously like the usability testing is more obvious and like it was relevant for that quarter and it's not anymore but there's other kinds of research that may think like some contextual inquiries that you think oh that's probably going to be reused in the future and actually we never revisit it so I'm looking forward sort of to seeing how that plays out and yeah we don't we haven't had the tools until now to do that kind of thing but yeah I'm looking forward to being able to do that in the future I think that'd be interesting to share you mentioned that you keep an insight library. What does your insight library consist of? Obviously insights, but is it like audio visual? <laughs> like what does it what does it look like? And it's in dovetail. So yeah, we're in the transition phase. So at the moment it's a spreadsheet, a list with report links. Um so things like trapped in mirror boards and slide decks. Um but as we move to dovetail, so we'll use it as an analysis tool as well. So our videos will be in there. So you can have, yeah, like highlight reels and video clips as well as the um, the analysis. So, it, you know, the insight will be text-based. Obviously, we'll be writing out the insights and linking to other relevant data. So it will be a mixture. Um, but yes, we're very early in the process and it's one of those things, it's not, it's a like a big complex thing and we can't quite see it all yet, but I know we will get there eventually. I'm curious to see in the long term how, how you'll be able to understand the impact for these qualitative insights from foundational mm. research studies, like you said, with more obvious direct things like usability testing, it's easy to under, not easy, but it's probably, you can more predict the long-term impact or keep track of yeah. the long-term impact with those more touchy feely qualitative things. It's not as easy, but I feel like that's what makes research fun and interesting is some more touchy feely stuff that we can't always measure, but we know it has an impact. Yes, yeah, I uh, completely agree. I think it's so interesting. And yeah, it's, le it's less sort of traceable. You might, someone might have heard um, some insights from that foundational research and we've changed their mindset. But we can't document that <laughs> in any way. Like, you have to see sort of like try and trace it. It's almost being like being an archaeologist or a detective or something. You're trying to trace sort of like what the origins of a shift was but yes we'll see in the future I think I don't think it'll sort of be get any easier necessarily in the next few years um but yeah I think our thinking around it will mature and people will find ways to do it and we can sort of learn from others as well but yeah look at, yeah that's what it keeps the job interesting all these things yeah Thanks for listening to the Yizzy Research Podcast, the podcast for people who research people. I'm Imani, the host and creator. Visit yizzyresearch.com for podcast show notes and information about my UX research coaching program. Again, that's yizzyresearch.com, Y-Z-Z-I research.com. This podcast was produced by Whisper and Mutter.